0: Her hands, and she says, I don't know how to say it, but Jesus, I need you to save me. And the story, story goes on to say she got up. After saying that simple prayer, she walks out, disappears for two days. The Christian couple didn't hear any more from her. Two days later, somebody's knocking on the door again. She tells her husband, it must be our neighbor, the woman, she's back. This time it wasn't the woman. The Christian husband opens the door, it was, it was the husband of the woman. He says, excuse me, I don't know what you did to my wife. I don't know what happened to her in this house. But whatever you did to her, and whatever happened to her, I want that right now. I want that right now. I ain't leaving until you don't give me what you gave her. So they said, oh, no problem. Just get on your knees. He was so desperate, he didn't stay in the door. He he rushed in the house. He didn't wait to be invited. He said, no, no, I want what you guys gave my wife, and I want it now. And I ain't leaving. He didn't sit on the couch. He went to the kitchen. He said, I ain't leaving. Y'all got to give me what you gave my wife. So right there in the kitchen floor, he kneeled down. Raises up his hands. They lead him through a prayer of salvation. He leaves. Story doesn't end there. All of a sudden, they come back. We're not losing our house. We reconcile. Something has come into our marriage. The, the alcohol habit that we had, the moment we made that simple prayer disappear, we don't have an attraction to alcohol anymore. So what AA could not do, what psychiatric or psychological counseling could not do because they couldn't afford it and they couldn't have done it for them anyway, a simple prayer did it for this couple because that's what salvation is all about. As a matter of fact, if you look for the Greek word for the word salvation in the English lexicon is the word sozo, S-O-Z-O. That's the word for salvation. And I just want to read to you the definition of the word for salvation. The word sozo. Preserve or rescue from natural dangers and afflictions. Save from death. Bring out safely from a situation filled with mortal danger. Save or free from disease. Save or free from demonic possession to be restored, to receive a a clean health, to enjoy a clean health, to get well, to keep and to preserve in good condition, to thrive, to prosper, to get well, save or preserve from eternal death. Salvation, folks, is more than what we've accepted. Salvation encompasses all that we are. Spirit, soul, and body. And so... You want to be saved. You want to become a Christian. All you got to do is repent. That's all you got to do. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter, after preaching his message on the day of Pentecost, right towards the end of his message, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of of the holy spirit that means that when you repent you admit that you're in the wrong track you're in the wrong road and you want to change perhaps to be a christian not only do do you repent and it is important for me to share this this morning because many of us we have not received the baptism of the holy spirit because we don't have a clear understanding of what it is to be a christian And so there's no way that we can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that endued power that Jesus said would come upon us when we waited for the promise of the Father. We will never, a lot of us are ministering without the power of the Holy Spirit. We've understood salvation and we've embraced that, but we have not gone to the other step. We have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so we're ministering with no power. And so when you minister with no power, you can experience a level of success, but you will never experience the maximum success that God desires to give you. That's why when we come to Christ, we experience, if we really come to Christ, if we converted, if we repented, if we've confessed our sins, because that's also part of it. If you want to be a Christian, not only do you repent, not only do you convert, what is conversion? What's the difference between conversion and Repentance. Repentance, you feel the conviction for your sin. You recognize that you're in the wrong track. But conversion is you make a conscientious decision. You make a determined decision. You said, I am going to change. And you realize that the only way you can change is by accepting Jesus. You accept Jesus. He comes and he gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is different between the gift of the Holy Spirit and the baptism. In the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to get to that at some point. Today. So you receive the Holy Spirit. You've confessed your sins. Your sins have been forgiven. Because the Bible says that of any of us. If we confess our sins. Amen. If we believe and confess with our mouths. That Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Not only does he save us. But he will forgive and cleanse us from all Sin, so you convert, you repent, amen. You confess your sins, you're born again, amen. John, amen, chapter three, we hear the story of this this old scholar who came to Jesus in the middle of the night looking for answers. His name was Nicodemus, and Jesus tells him after he asked all the questions, what do I need to do and what, you know, how can I enter the kingdom of heaven, and well, how can I be saved? And so Jesus all you got to do is be born again. And he says, but Jesus, hold on a second. I'm an old guy. (laughs) How is it possible that someone at my age would be able to enter into my mother's womb again to be born? And Jesus tells him, and I'm paraphrasing, don't be foolish, Nicodemus. You should know better than that. You're a scholar. You know the law. You know the word. You know the Torah. You've read the book of the prophets. You've read the Psalms. Don't be foolish, Nicodemus. That's not what I'm talking about. He says, in order for you to be born again, you have to be born of the... Of the what? Of the spirit. What does that mean? What that means is when God created us, he gave us the ability... So that we can have intimacy, contact, relationship with God. That part of who you are, known as the spirit, that is the part that God placed in you. And he put it there so that through your spirit, you and God could be in communion. You could have contact and intimacy, fellowship with God. But what sin did to your spirit is it killed it. And so the only thing that's left of us because of sin, because of our first fathers, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, when they disobeyed, when they broke the covenant with God, and they did things their way, they committed sin. That sin killed them. It brought them spiritual death. And not only did it bring it upon them, but it brought it upon all their descendants. That's why every man and every woman that's born of the seed of man is born a sinner because we've inherited that sin we've inherited that spiritual death and so when christ comes and he gives us the gift of the spirit the spirit goes into that spirit into that part of us that is dead and he brings it to life but until that happens we are living life simply based on our soul and based on the requirements or the desires of our flesh So if the spirit remains dead, we live our lives led by the soul and led by the flesh. That's why we have such a mess in humanity today. Because most people today are living their lives soulishly. And simply living it based on their desires and their requirements and the demands of their flesh. That's why humanity is such a mess today. That's why we have so much hate. We have so much division. We have so much, so much bitterness and we have so much violence. Amen. Because we're living soulishly. You know who has a soul and who has a body? Animals. What separates you and I from animals is that an animal does not have a spirit they only have a soul. What is a soul? It is the seat of your emotions, feelings. Animals have feelings. They love when you pet them. They, they come and they lick you. I, I just don't understand how people let animals lick them in their face. That's just not me. <laughs> but, but that's the way of an animal expressing its gratitude. I just can't let an animal lick my face. It's just, ooh. I have a problem with my own saliva. Don't let an animal survive But those of you that love animals, you, and you love that, you know how it is, man. Animals respond that way because they have feelings. And they reciprocate what you do for them by demonstrating their affection, their love. For you, they have feelings. And so an animal has a soul. An animal has a body, obviously. So we have a soul and we have a body. But an animal does not have a spirit. We have spirits. But until that spirit comes, becomes alive, we function like, can somebody say it so nobody blames me and say the pastor called his animal? See, but those of you, shouldn't be, you shouldn't be worried here because we're all alive in the spirit. But until that spirit does not come to life, we're living our lives like animals. We're simply living our lives based on feelings and emotions, and we're living our lives based on what our flesh desires. That's why I want to get drunk, so I get drunk. My flesh wants to get high, so I get high. I want to sleep with everybody I can, so I go and I sleep with everybody I can, not thinking the consequences and the ramifications that that brings. But when Jesus comes into our lives, And our spirit is revived. Now that aspect that God placed in us in order to have fellowship with us has come to life. The spirit of God quickens and revives our spirit. And now we have this new life. Do you remember your experience when you first were born again? I'm talking to the born again people in this house. I'm not talking to the ones that have the label of Christianity and never had an encounter with Jesus. I'm talking to people that have been born again. Let me share with you and see if you could identify my experience. When I was born again, man, I thought I could evangelize the world. I said, That's it. Here I come, world. Devils, I'm coming. Sick people, I am coming. I mean, I felt that joy. I felt that peace. I felt that power. I felt that deliverance, amen, in my own personal experience. And I said, I can't keep this to myself. I can't resist it. I can't retain it for me. I can't keep it bottled up inside of me. I got to go and share it with someone. And when we were first born again, that first love caused us to do things that we wouldn't even have thought of doing before we came to Christ. Remember that? What a wonderful experience. Now the question is, what has happened? Why don't we feel that anymore? Anybody knows what that that feeling? Like you use that passion, you lose that. It's not that you stop being a Christian. It's not that you stop being born again. It's that you simply held the work of God's spirit to one phase there's another experience that God wants to give you and that is a baptism in the Holy Spirit because what does the baptism do it anoints you and it empowers you how many believe that God has called us to go and fulfill the Great Commission what is the Great Commission go Make disciples, go and preach this gospel throughout all the world. Go first to your city and then go to the city next door. And, then, and, and for us, it might not be a city, but it could be the different cities and nations that are living around us. Go and share the gospel. And so we go. But if we don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we lack the power. And so God has called us to do a supernatural work, but we're trying to accomplish it naturally. Now, it doesn't mean you don't have the Holy Spirit. And I want some of you to really be paying close attention because you've lived a Christian life void of the anointing. So I want you to pay real close attention. That's why you have no stability. That's why we've gone from being sheep to becoming goats. We're chopping and jumping and looking for the the next fad. Even church has become a fad. We're looking for the church with the newest things, with the, with the best show, with all the good lights and all the great stages and, and the best worship team. And we're looking for a church with a, that the preacher would, 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 would motivate us and would encourage us and would speak sweet things to us and get us charged up so that we can go out there, amen, and live a prosperous life and... and, 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 and because we're living soulishly. Though we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we've limited Him to just being inside of us, but we have not allowed Him to flow from within us and therefore, even as we go through the motions of coming to church and serving God and singing our songs and preaching our messages and teaching our classes, amen, we see very little result if any. Because we're lacking the power that endows us To do the supernatural. See, some people believe uh, Peter was a coward. But let me tell you something. Before the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I don't think he was that much of a coward. (laughs) When Jesus came to be arrested, and he came to be arrested by a mob, including soldiers, the only dude hanging with Jesus that was willing to fight, he was willing to roll up his sleeves and was willing to come on let's duke it out we're going to you ain't messing with you ain't messing with my jesus and the bible says he took out that sword and he sliced the ear of one of the what is it a servant or one of the soldiers and jesus said hey dude what's wrong with you what's going on what are you doing don't you know that if i want right now i could just ask the father to just send angels and they will just decimate this crowd. They will, destroy, they will cause this crowd to evaporate, to disappear. So Peter was not that much of a coward. But yet there were some areas in his life that needed the baptism. Now, the Bible says, and I want you to, I'm just going to go through this real quickly. The Bible says that when Jesus resurrected, when Jesus resurrected, the disciples had been overwhelmed by fear. And they had gone and hidden in a room, right? When Jesus died and he was was on the cross and he was buried, the disciples were overcome by fear. They went and they hid in a room, a secret place, and they locked the doors behind them. But on the first day of the week, that first Sunday morning when Jesus resurrected, the Bible says that he appeared in that locked room. Meaning he just, he didn't have to open the door, he just appeared in the room. And once he showed them the scars and, and, and he said, it's me, it's me. And they recognized that it was Jesus that he had resurrected. The Bible says that he breathed. He breathed on them. And when he breathed on them, he told them, receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Spirit. I believe, me personally, I believe that was their conversion. I know that our Jewish brothers want to believe that Jews don't never have to convert, even when they come to Jesus, There's a lot of Jewish brothers that believe that, even Messianic Jews, that they don't have to convert because they already are God's chosen people. That all they have to do is receive the, the Messiah, but they don't have to go through a process of conversion. That conversion is only for Gentiles. And I tell them the devil is a liar. Because if you read, when Jesus appeared to the disciples, he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. To me, that was their conversion experience. Because when we come to Christ, we receive, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit. He dwells, he comes, he revives our spirit, and now we are born again. But in spite of them receiving the Holy Spirit, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells them, go to Jerusalem, do not move. I give you this great commission, but do not go anywhere until you receive the promise of the Father. What was the promise of the Father? The Holy Spirit. Now, why would they have received something that they already had? I'm asking a question, because there's people even in this church that believe that there's only one baptism, one experience with the Holy Spirit, and that's it. That the speaking in tongues and all the other manifestations, that they they were fulfilled, and they ended with the early testament church. That's a lie. You haven't read your scripture. After After the filling of the Holy Spirit that brings our spirit to life, we need that second experience. Jesus laid the example for the disciples. They received the Holy Spirit when he met them in that room, but he told them afterwards, go and wait until you are endowed with the promise of the Father. And what was the promise of the Father? If you read the four Gospels, even Ephesians and Peter, it calls it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Meaning that we could have the Holy Spirit, but until we don't get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we can be very good Christians and live good Christian lives. But in living good Christian lives, we could really be ineffective. That's why we need the baptism. And they received the baptism in Acts chapter chapter 2, right? They waited. That's what we did this week. We came here seven nights, and we waited. And there's people that had experiences these seven nights. Something happened in their lives. And I believe that's not only for these seven nights. I believe that this is the beginning of a new chapter in your walk with God, in this journey, in this Christian experience. This is a, 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 the opening of a new chapter in your Christian journey. Because something happens when the baptism comes. Now, let me ask you a question. If the Holy Spirit comes once, and that's it. How many of you believe that no man has ever existed that had the Holy Spirit, even from his conception, more than Jesus? In other words, Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He grew up as a child, and he had the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, he was the Son of God. He's God incarnate. But there is his humanity. But he had the Holy Spirit in him, living, residing in him, waking up with him, walking with him. For the first 30 years, the Holy Spirit was with him. But what happened when he became 30? The Bible says that he went to the Jordan to be baptized by whom? By John the Baptist. To receive the baptism in water, to fulfill the law, and to fulfill all of God's requirements. He went to be baptized. When John saw him, he says, oh, no, 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 hold on a second, no, no. (laughs) How how could I, I need you to baptize me. Now, you got to understand, John didn't know him personally, but he had gotten a revelation of him coming. And that's why when John went out preaching, he says, listen, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's coming. He says, I baptize you in water, but after me comes one whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. Now, don't lose lose focus now. I want you to remember this. Jesus, God incarnate In his humanity, he had the Holy Spirit living in him and with him. But yet, when he turned 30, he goes to the Jordan, and what happens? When he is baptized in the water and he comes out, the Bible says that the heavens opened up, and who descended upon him in the form of a dove? But hold on a second. How could the Holy Spirit descend on him if he was already in him? Getting somewhere. Folks, we can't get more of what we already have. When we received the Holy Spirit in conversion, we didn't get a part of the Holy Spirit, and now we need a second part. And this is where people get, all, get it all twisted because they think that when we talk about the baptism, we're talking about a second phase of... The, no, no, no. We already got the Holy Spirit. The baptism is simply... A a greater experience that takes us, amen, to, to, to another level in our walk. And it empowers us so that we can be not simply good Christians, but so that we can be powerful witnesses of Jesus Christ. Amen? Anybody's getting this? Now, why would God incarnate, who has the Holy Spirit, From the moment he was conceived, why would he need for the spirit to come upon him in the form of a dove? And as the the spirit descends, the Bible says that John heard the voice of the father saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. See, that second experience with the Holy Spirit that Jesus had was what propelled him into ministry. Until that moment, he was simply known as the son of a carpenter. As a matter of fact, he was just a normal person. Yeah, every so often you see, like when he, when he stood behind and they found him in the temple, you see some, some aspects of this child that are special. But people themselves didn't understand it. They didn't, they didn't see it. Satan tried to kill him when he was a child. But even Satan wasn't sure if this was really him. He was just saying, it looks like him. It might be him. He's doing some stuff that's, a, you know, so let me try to kill him before he, just in case. Even Satan wasn't sure if this was, but then when he's 30, when he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit descends upon him, the Bible says that the Spirit took him where? To the wilderness, to be what? To be tempted, to be tried. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he faced the devil, faced temptation, face to face. Now the Bible doesn't say of that kind of encounter with the enemy prior to his 30th year. It highlights his encounter with the enemy right after he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, the devil doesn't want you to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit because while you don't, he doesn't mind you coming to church as long as you ain't, doing no, you ain't causing no harm in his kingdom, as long as you ain't reaching souls for Christ, as long as you're happy coming with your Bible Sunday mornings and just having a good time and then going and living life as usual and doing your own thing, hey, the devil ain't going to mess with you. You could be a very good Christian. Hey, go to church. As a matter of fact, he might even encourage you. Just don't change. Stay the way you are. Yeah, you might make it to heaven, but as long as you don't get anyone else out of my grips, just keep going to church, get yourself to heaven, and and leave me alone and leave the ones that I have alone, amen. But when the devil sees that you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, he's going to do everything possible to stop you because he knows now that you have a power, amen, that you're not going to go out there to speak to people mere, mere, mere words of human wisdom, but now you're going with a demonstration of power. So that's why. He's deprived many in the church of that baptism. And many of you have deprived yourself because you've embraced erroneous theologies and philosophies of man. He wants to baptize you. He wants to fill you. He wants to empower you so that you can go and do the work and see results. Hey, Amen. I don't know about you, but when I go and speak to someone about Christ, and I don't see results, it's not that I'm trying to save them, but, man, I, I would like to see some kind of, you know, reaction, some kind of response. But you do it so much and so much and so much, eventually you get frustrated. You, man, I've been, I've been trying to... I got someone, some brother here always telling pastor, I don't know, man. You know, I speak to everyone, man. I tell everyone about Christ. And man, they, people don't want to receive it. You know, people are so hard. People are so rough. People are so resistant. And I'm telling them my testament, I'm sharing with them. But they don't, they, I don't know, man. What's, what's going on, Pastor? And I'm saying, Be ye filled with the Holy Spirit, brother. <laughs> Be ye baptized in the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you, you experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you ain't got to say much. The power of God that is in you, that now begins, begins to flow out of you, will bear witness. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, everything changes. See, some of us here, we hit a rut, man. We've hit a wall. We've hit a plateau. And even serving God has become kind of boring, tiresome, weary. And so we've settled to have the Holy Spirit in our spirits, but we have not allowed that second experience, which is what causes for rivers of living water to just flow. Not simply in me, but out of me, and not only have an impact on me and my family, but the world that surrounds me. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does. You can't settle to live soulishly. You can't be selfish and just say, as long as I make it to heaven. I used to know I, have, I had a sister in Christ that, man, my mother would beat the living daylights out of her because she, she was a preaching everything. She said, well, I preach the word, and, you know, if they don't want to get settled, let them go to hell. They can go to hell if they don't want to get saved. I'm, you know, as long as I'm saved and my family's saved, that's all that matters. My mother said, "Are you crazy? What's wrong with you, woman?" It's not about you being saved, it's about you feeling a yearning, a desire, you feeling the pain of those that are lost out there, you understanding, amen, that their lives are hanging in the balance, and that the only hope and the only Jesus they're going to see and the only Jesus they're going to hear is when the church gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and we go out there, and we begin to communicate the love of Christ, not only through words, but through actions, and we begin to display the power of God, not simply by telling people, listen, I'm going to pray for you to be healed, but telling people, be ye healed. It's the power power of the Holy Spirit is what brings us to that level. You can't settle to live a soulless Christian life. You know what happened with your first love? You received it. Again, the Spirit of God came into your spirit, brought it to life, but you never bothered for that life that is in your spirit to flow and overwhelm and suffuse your soul and your body. And so what happens is, in the initial experience, you felt, man, you felt that joy, that peace, and it drove you, and you said, no, I want, I gotta be, man, I can't wait to the next service. Remember that? Some of you don't remember that, because some of you saying, man, I can't wait till th- this man finishes. Some of you here right now, I I could read it in your faces, and I could could almost read your mind. And I'm not a mind reader, but I can discern it in the spirit. Some of you are saying, I just can't wait till they finish. But when you first came to Christ, you couldn't wait till the next service. As a matter of fact, they had to kick you out of church. Because after the service was done, you wanted to stay. Hallelujah. Any memories here? Memories. I don't know the rest of the song. you remember that, man. Now, if you don't remember that, it means I'm here to tell you. I'm not here to bring you down. I'm just here to bring you to a reality check. I'm here to tell you, if you don't remember that, that you ever felt that passion, that love, that burning inside of you that made you do something out of the ordinary, if you never remember experiencing that and you've been coming to church, I'm here to tell you, today is your day of salvation. You need to repent and convert. Because there's no way that if the Holy Spirit of God came into your spirit when you accepted Christ, that you would have stayed the same way, with the same laid back, nonchalant attitude. No, when the spirit comes in, that initial experience, it kind of, man, it wakes us up and it causes us to do great stuff. And so for that first week, that first month, amen, before that, your soul was driving the car, your body, the passions of your flesh, the lust of your flesh was driving your life and you were driven by the lust of your flesh and by the feelings, feelings, nothing more than feelings, that's all you, that's all, that's all you live by, by feelings, amen. And so whatever you felt like doing, that's what you did. Whatever your flesh demanded and required of you, you gave into it because your, your feelings and your soul were driving the car, amen. But when the spirit came into you, the spirit said, okay, take the back seat, so, so, body. I'm about to drive this car now. But what happened? If we don't seek that secondary experience, since you are already accustomed to being driven by your soul, by your intellect, by your feelings, by your emotions, and you were already accustomed for how many years? All the years that you've been living, you've been accustomed to to living by the lust and the desires of your flesh. If you don't seek that secondary experience that causes that Holy Spirit that's embedded in your spirit to burst out of you through that baptism of the Holy Spirit, then what happens is you, you're still a Christian because you have the Spirit of God in your spirit. But now your soul has said, okay, let me, let me go back to the front seat. And now you're living a Christian experience and you're living a Christian life, and there's a great probability and possibility you go to heaven if you stay, amen, serving the Lord. But what happens is you're still living in the flesh. Hello. Tap the person next to you. Hello. Hola. In Spanish, hola. And so the church is filled with a lot of soulish Christians. You know what the Bible calls them? Carnal. They didn't stop being Christians. The Bible makes a distinction between two groups in the church. There's a spiritual, which which are the spirit-filled, which are those that have sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and not in a one-time experience, but every day they get up and they say, baptize me today, Lord, submerge me, suffuse me, dump me. And they are those that are just simply happy to be Christians. And so they live a carnal Christian life. Now, with all due respect, I'm not here to insult anyone. Again, I'm here to shake you and wake you. That's why my calling is not really... Um, is not really desirable by many today because many today are driven by you got pastors that are pastoring simply on their soulish and fleshly nature that are not operating and they're good pastors because they studied they learn to be pastors in the cemetery I mean, in the seminary. In the seminary. And so the seminary kind of prepares them. It's almost like an assembly line. Prepares them, educates them, gives them a lot of theology, a lot of intellect, but void of power. And so you got a lot of pastors that started ministry simply based on their soulish behavior and on their flesh. And that's why you got a lot of pastors and you have a lot of scandals that happen in the church, Immoral situations, situations of fraud, stealing money, and, and, and doing behavior that is not worthy of the call of pastorship. But when you have the Spirit of God and you know that God has called you, you understand that you're not here to please and to entertain, and you're not here to stroke. You're here as a voice of God to speak the word of God, to bring forth the heart of God to the people of God that are willing to receive it. Now, and so my my ministry is not easy, but this is who God called me to be. And so I'm going to challenge you. And I'm going to tell you, there's many people even here that are soulish. They're lacking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Folks, when you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit... And when the river of God is flowing and you hear, Pastor Gabe was saying, not the pastor. She was simply a jar of clay that God chose to use last Sunday. And she was even hesitant in doing that because that was not part of her message. I remember when she paused, she said, oh, oh, wait, wait wait a minute. Hold on. a, s- <laughs> Should I do it? Or should- Hold on a second. I-, I really sense that God is calling us to. To come for seven nights and just spend an hour from seven to eight in this altar seeking a baptism, seeking a refreshing from the Holy Spirit. Now, soulish folks said, you're right. My life is too busy. Pastor don't got the stuff that I got to do. I got a lot of stuff to do. (laughs) You know, I, got out of, I get out of work and I want to run home. I want to take a bath. I want to have my dinner ready. And so, and so they just said, no, we're not going. Hungry Christians that are led by the Spirit said, I, I had guys come in here grubby. I don't want to say stinky because I didn't really smell them. But they came in with their work clothes, man. But they made it here. They were here. Because when you're spiritual, you respond to the beckons, to the plea of the Spirit. The Spirit of God pleaded with us last Sunday in the message and said, I would like for you to spend some time. Give me some time this week. I'm calling you to do something out of the ordinary and come. And the truth of the matter is that many of you here, that didn't mean did least go out to you. You just kept... Doing your same old, same old. And folks, you you didn't stop being a Christian. You're a good Christian. You're very good Christian. As a matter of fact, you look like very good Christians. You're heaven-bound. But until we don't respond to the plea of the Spirit, and until we don't understand that when God speaks in this house, though He's using human vessels, it is Him speaking. We're all we're gonna stay in the same rut. And so Christianity is gonna be boring, Christianity is gonna be a burden. As a matter of fact, those of you that came this week, I pray you didn't come because you felt obligated. I pray you came because you, f- you heard the calling of the Spirit and you said, I'm willing to do, because if you come out of obligation, that's not pleasing to God either you got to come because you heard the voice of the Spirit calling. Come. I want to spend some time with you. I want to fill you again. I want to refresh you. I want to renew you. I want to baptize you. I want to fill you again. I want to empower you. I want you to get that fizzle again. I want you to get that that joy again. I want you to get on that fire again that you felt when you first encountered me. And that's what it's all about. If Jesus needed it before he went out and, and, and healed the sick and set the captives free and delivered people that were demon-possessed, if he needed that endowment on the day that he was baptized in the water, if he needed that outpouring of God's Spirit to come upon him to do his ministry, then with all due respect, who in the world do we think we are to say, I'm satisfied with just having the Spirit and being a Christian, but I don't believe and I don't want that second experience. We need it. And so my call to you this morning, as I am, I didn't even go into my outline. Just, if you're tired of the same old, same old, or you feel that you've been, even doing ministry, that's why today I didn't want, uh, better yet, the Spirit of God didn't want the teachers to go. Because even teaching and preaching and singing, and doing all the stuff, all the religious activity, if we, we don't have the power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, even that gets to a point where it becomes boring, and it becomes burdensome, and it makes us feel heavy, heavy laden. Ministry, there's no longer joy in ministry. Now you, you do it more out of obligation, or because you're on staff. Or... But I don't know about you, I don't want to minister another day I don't want to pass another day unless I have that continual outflowing of God's spirit flown from me and having an impact on the world around me amen that's it I'm done anyone here needs that refreshing anyone here has never experienced that, and you want to receive that baptism. You are a believer, but you want that river to flow from you. Hey, Amen. I'm just going to ask you to stand. We're not going to do a whole, you know, we're not going to do a circus here. I'm not going to blow on you or hit you on the forehead with my hand and, or push you so that you can fall. No, that's not. I'm not into that. I am not into that. I'm so against that stuff. I don't think I have to help the Holy Spirit. I think he's powerful enough to do it on his own. Now, the only thing that determines whether you receive it or whether you don't is, number one, are you a believer? Number one, you're a believer. You're a Christian. Okay? Number two, do you want that second experience? This is unbelievable. Listen. These two guys are probably the newest people here. These two, right here. I was watching them during worship. I saw Christians here that have been here a great portion of their lives. These two babes in Christ, the Bible says that out of the mouth of a babe comes forth a glorious praise. This guy comes up here, and he's worshiping. And she comes with her walker, and some of us, man, we are so full. Of, right now, we're going to leave out of this place. We're going to go play soccer. We're going to go play basketball. We're going to go jump in some pool. We got energy for everything, but we have no life when it comes to the things of God. These two babes in Christ came and worship. Right now, I ask the question, they immediately, yes, yes, I want it. Yes, yes. So if you want it, then all you got to do is say, God, just repeat after me. God, I thank you for the promise. I thank you for my salvation experience. I thank you because I know that I am saved. I have your Holy Spirit living in my spirit. He is in me, and I thank you for that presence that is in me. Now, God, I want that presence to flow from me. I don't want to contain it any longer. I want it to be released from within me. I want it to flow like a mighty river. Because I am tired of being just a status quo Christian. I want to now be a spirit-filled Christian. That is ready to take on the supernatural task that you have given us. But in the power and in the might of your spirit. Now in the name of Jesus I tell you receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit it's right there. Receive the Holy Spirit, he's right there. He's right there. As I tell you when I first experienced this, I just began by praising emotionlessly. I had no feelings. I felt no fire. I felt no fuzz. I felt no, 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 no electricity. No, I just began to praise God. And in my praising God, I said, thank you God for the baptism of your Holy Spirit. I don't feel anything. I don't see anything. I can't, I, I, I I'm looking. I don't find anything, but I thank you because if it's the promise of the Father and he said he would fulfill it and give it to those who ask, then I've asked and I'm believing that I got it. Now I dare you to raise your hands as high as you can as a sign of surrender and say, Holy, spirit, Holy spirit. Along with my spirit along with my spirit take control of my soul and take control of my flesh. I give you the right to take the driver's seat of my life. And wherever you lead me I will follow. Whatever you ask of me, I will do in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Now give him a crazy praise. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord.